Hey, everybody. I wrote a book. I'm super excited and I'd love for you to check it out. No Longer Denying Sexual Abuse, Making the Choices That Can Change Your Life is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Goodreads, anywhere that you read a book. So please check it out. And I've also launched my 21-week series, No Longer Abused, which is free. All you have to do is buy a copy of the book. For more information, go to nolongerdenyingsexualabuse.com and sign up for one or all of the 21-week series. And now, on to our guest. I'm a writer. I love writers and I coach writers. So it makes sense that I'd interview writers from all areas, blogging, TV, film, songwriting, podcasting, but also the new writers, the first timers that did it, that took the plunge because at one point they heard from someone, you should write a book about that. Women love to do it all. I know that I do, and I have to be careful and watch the signs that I am in a mental and physical state that means I'm pushing it too much that I could be entering in burnout. Sarah Sperry understands burnout. She's been there, and she knows that there are so many working mothers who are suffering, and they need a solution. As a certified executive health and well-being coach, she's focused on the health and career challenges for women not just hardworking, but doing so in a traditional male-dominated industry. It's so good to have you on the show, Sarah. Thank you. So great to be here. As you know, you know, when we write books, we have to be the leaders. And the way that we are leaders in what we know is often through our personal story, especially with self-help. So when we talked last, you told me that you were, you know, chained to the desk and it was day and night. You had the nannies and everything. What was that defining moment when you said, this is bananas, something has to change? Yeah, I'd say my tipping point was when I had a panic attack at work right before a big presentation. Literally felt like I was having a heart attack and couldn't breathe. And I thought I needed to go to the ER and I ran out of my office and (laughs) ran to my car and obviously didn't do the presentation. Um, I'd never had one before. I didn't know what it was, but obviously... Looking back and going through, you know, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of work to kind of figure out what was going on. I was extremely overwhelmed and I was juggling and managing um, a high-level job in finance. And at that point, you know, my my youngest was born in 2016. So I think he was, you know, two at the time. It was a juggle. I live here in the Bay Area. I worked in finance and so I was working East Coast. You know, New York hours, waking up super early. You know, you have young kids. They're, they're, you know, they're waking you up with bad dreams and feedings, and you know, whatever phase you're in when they're little. Uh, and so, chronic exhaustion had definitely kind of hit and taken over, and I was really in a cycle of burnout. I didn't really know what that was at the time, and so, you know, I think I, I searched for a long time and sought out lots of different types of doctors and alternative medical providers to try to better understand. I was also having physical symptoms along with... Right. Because the body speaks to us. Yeah. Yeah. And we and we carry all that stress and our cortisol levels are, you know, raised for, for long periods of time. It can, it can manifest physically and mentally. And so, 
you know, I went to a lot of doctors and was trying to figure things out. I got a lot of wrong answers, um, but but kind of kept searching. I I knew, (laughs) you know, I think, I think, you know, we, as women, we, we have to trust our gut and we have to advocate for ourselves. And if we, we don't really like the answer that we're getting from one doctor, we have to seek out different opinions. And yeah, I think, you know, I, I had kind of gotten a handle on everything and then COVID hit. And obviously, you know, silver linings of COVID, we kind of all reevaluate our lives. Took a step back. Yeah. At that point, I had knew, had known um, I had I was doing some online coaching certifications. I had known that maybe at some point in my life, I would pivot and leave corporate finance and silver lining of COVID. That kind of fast forward that decision making process. And That's I said, this, this is the time. So uh, here I am about two and a half years later. And it's it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. I'm so happy that you had the panic attack. I also suffer from panic attacks. Thank you so much for talking about it. And when they first started, yes, I thought I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah, um, they're so painful, and they go on for a really long time. I like to call mine the rolling panic attacks because depending on what your mental state is when you have the panic attack, yes. will dictate the velocity of the panic attack. So if it's like a small mindset issue, you can kind of kill it really fast. But if it's like a big kahuna thing that you're dealing with, it can roll for days. And I now look at them as my meters of information. If I start to get a pan, I know when they come, I immediately go, okay, yeah, what like what is out of control here? Yeah, like what's what's out of balance? What's out of balance? And as you teach, it's more important for me to feel good and be grounded and to keep going with that like project that I think has to be done tomorrow already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. With women that are highly motivated, that is yep. definitely a problem. So you said you searched and searched, right? And you were looking yeah. for these answers and then COVID hit. But like, who can you attribute to having you look? at the lens differently? Is there anybody like a friend or somebody that maybe tipped you off and said, this could be burnout? Well, a couple a couple kind of forces all at play at once that kind of had that light bulb moment. I had lots of other women that I was working with. We were, you know, kind of our support, the support system. I was working in a male dominated industry. There weren't very many of us. I was really active in our like ERG and women's group at our company. And, you know, I think hearing other women's stories and understanding that like you're in the same phase and you're experiencing the same issues and you're, and you're all seeking out, you know, this answers, I think was, you know, eye opening in the sense that like, wow, this is a problem. Right? right. That a lot of other women are experiencing. We had all kind of tried to seek out um, different ways through our company to, to get support, whether that's from like our corporate wellness benefits or mental health benefits. It wasn't enough. It was falling short. Yeah. Falling short. And it was kind of, we kind of found it to be box checking exercises. Although, you know, at the time I was working for a very large company that touted these amazing benefits. Um, and I think that's, <laughs> that's common. Right. right? And, and I right. think companies are shifting and they're starting to focus on their benefit packages more and, and providing better he- mental health benefits. So I think that was kind of like step number one and light bulb number one with just kind of talking to my peers. 
I was also seeing a really good therapist at the time that was kind of helping me through all it evolves, all of it. So I think that was mm-hmm. a second piece that was helpful. You know, I I'd never heard of burnout before. And I remember I can like visual vividly remember I was sitting at my computer for anyone that works in finance. You you probably know what a Bloomberg terminal is. So my Bloomberg terminal like comes up like the WHO, you know, the World Health Organization identifies burnout as a like a workplace condition, right? And I like immediately click on it and start like <laughs> wow. reading the definition and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. Um, yeah. And then I start Googling and obviously from there you start bought some books. At that time, this was before COVID when burnout was, you know, headline issues. Um, and so I just really started gobbling up like all the books and research I could to really understand the condition. And, you know, it's kind of self-diagnosing myself, really. You know, at that point, no doctor had really ever asked me about my stress levels. That's amazing to me. Okay. So, so it's interesting, you know, I mean, talk about the patriarchy, you know, it's designed so that women like are separate from each other because they almost know if women get together, we're all going to be like, wait, you have that problem too? Wait, <laughs> yeah. hold on. You have the problem. Like the men are like, let's not let the women get together because then yeah. we're going to, we're going to storm the gates and be like, we're done. Right. So I love that. And of course, I think therapy is, is so, so, so important for women that are out there that are, that are feeling like they're in these male dominated fields and they're the only, what do they do? I think it's challenging. I think, you know, unconscious bias and toxic workplace environments contribute to burnout. And when, you know, as a female, you are working in a male dominated environment and you don't have other women that are working closely with you or other women you can seek out that are in leadership roles to kind of ask for counsel. I think you really either need to find, right, like some sort of women's group or um, executive executive coach or or a coach (laughs) to kind of help you through kind of some of these, you know, I think imposter syndrome can get in the way, right, of when you're working in a male-dominated industry. And so just having an ear, you know, someone to kind of, you, you run, you know, you're able to run situations at work by somebody that's an outsider can really right. help you realize that maybe the environment you're working in, you know, either isn't a match for you or isn't aligned with your values, or if it's really something that you feel strongly about and you're passionate about what you're doing, like ways that you can hopefully, you know, kind of work around the situation and, and, you know, find success. Yeah. Especially if you're happy there and that's something that you, you want to stay there and you want to do that. The answer isn't just to cut and run. It's just, there's lots of, there's lots of other solutions. There's lots of other solutions. Exactly. So when you left and decided to go do this non, you know, grind job, how did your kids and your family dynamic shift? Yeah, good question. Um, my husband was completely supportive. Um, he understood, you know, kind of the path that I had gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were working definitely together on better communication and we were trying to, you know, in our own home kind of redistribute the kind of invisible labor that, you know, a lot of women take on, you know, without really thinking it through. I love right? that and, term. That term is so, it's, it's so terrifying to me, that term. Yeah. It's so yeah. Terrible. And, and right. Like depending on how you're raised in your own home, right. There's certain tasks. I think that you just are kind of maybe conditioned to take on and you don't really question it or you don't really understand why. And so, you know, we, it really took us kind of working together to kind of redistribute and like reexamine like all the invisible tasks that go along with having with go along with having three kids. So yeah, I mean, my husband was completely supportive. You know, it's funny. 
and my kids are now six, 10, and 11. So my oldest are two girls and they, they understand now, right? Like what mom and dad do for a living. And we have lots of discussions about, you know, careers and, you know, they understand that, you know, they, they think it's funny that my company's called Sperry Wellness. And so, you know, it's been fun to hear them like try to, you know, describe what I do to their friends. It's an interesting shift. And I think for me personally, and for our family, it's been a, it's good shift. It's been fun. It's given me some more time and space to, really think creatively. Um, I think, you know, when you're in your daily grind and you're fitting, you know, 23 things on your to-do list every single day, it's hard to think creatively and it's hard to think outside the box and you're on, you know, six Zoom calls, seven Zoom calls a day. And, and so it's given me some time and space to really develop this program and really meet amazing, like inspiring women. Um, and it, it's been, it's been fun, right? Like when you're, when you're doing something that you feel really passionate about, um, that you love, right. It doesn't always feel like work. And so, you know, and I do, I do find myself, right. Like, so I still push myself. I still work really hard and I, I'm always like finding time, right. Like around my kids' schedules to like, you know, get on a call or on a Sunday, like we're talking right we're now. We're doing a podcast. We're yeah, recording, we're a, podcast we're recording a, a podcast on a Sunday evening, right? So, yeah, I, I still catch myself, right? I still now I'm better at the signals in my body of telling me that I need to pull back a little bit and just rest and recoup. And then, you know, also helping women like understand, you know, the connection between like leading well and being well, right? Like we, we can't be good leaders if if our tank is empty and if our own health and well-being is not in a good state. If we're so. in a mania. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said that I think is really important to point out about our our daughters and our offspring and what we're teaching the next generation of women. You know, I have two daughters as well. And I started my business eight years ago when my oldest daughter was 11. And, you know, she really watched me build this business. And yeah. I remember we went to a dentist and she asked the dentist, how do you know the dentist? I said, oh, I met the dentist. It was a woman. She said, how did you, how did you meet the dentist? I said, I met her at a networking group. Right. And you could see like the little wheels kind of going like, and she turned to the dentist and she said, well, you know, my mom's a book coach. So you should be telling people about my mom too. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. They're taking in like there's a hustle and there's a reciprocity, but I also had to watch her learn to stop being an overachiever too, because she had absorbed that from me when I didn't know better. Like over the last eight years of business, I have learned to do more effectively, slower with less burnout because I just want to feel good. right? Right. And they learn that from us. They learn that from us. Yeah. And I do think when I was in the peak of my anxiety, right? Like the rest of my family could feel that. I think anxiety spreads like wildfire, right? In your house and the people that you're, your loved ones, the people that you're around. And so I, I have noticed that shift, right? Like my whole house is calmer because I'm calmer <laughs> and I know, right? right? Like I have different strategies that even when I do kind of feel myself becoming heightened to kind of pull myself back down. So yeah. I th- and I think that's a great thing to be able to teach the next generation is right. Like, you know, work is important. The value of hard work is important. You need to earn a living and, you know, find ways to be financially independent. But at the same time, you know, you also have to take care of yourself and take care of your health. And think in our 24-7 connected world, right? 
this next generation coming up is is even more connected than we were when I was growing up. And so yeah. I think it's really important to try to teach them that that balance. Yeah, it's hard to get them off the phones though. Yes. They're just they're just really hard to get them off <laughs> really the phones. Hard. You know? I know. I know. I was just reading some statistics about, you know, Gen Z and social media. And I mean, I think I saw a statistic that said like the average of Gen Z, like nine hours on their phone. That's just mind boggling to me. It's a lot, but I can't say anything because I'm on my phone a lot too. So it's like one of those things you got to watch what you say because they're going to point it out to you and be like, well, you're on your phone all the time. It's like, yep. okay, I'm going to take, take a phone <laughs> break. We're going to talk about your book a little bit. And, you know, when you're writing a book, it's really important to know who your reader is, right? And sort of what kind of book this is going to be. Yeah. We can't do everything with our books, you know, because we only have, you know, a certain amount of time with our readers. And so in order to be like a top expert, you kind of got to kind of rein it in and then sort of know if it's self-help or if it's how-to, which are very different kinds of books, right? The self-help is a lot more personal story and the how-to is more like a formulaic, lay it out. Do you think that you would speak about anxiety and depression from the burnout? Would that be, uh, that would be one direction? Or do you see yourself in more of a how-to book and laying out certain like situations that they would solve? Good question. I, I I don't honestly know the answer. Like I'm still kind of flushing all of this out as we've talked about. I think, you know, my high level goal obviously is to amplify all the women's stories that I hear on a daily basis. You know, I think the patterns that I generally see are burnout, anxiety, depression, antidepressants, like anxiety <laughs> drugs, um, because that's generally the route that the mainstream medical doctors will take to treat symptoms. And so, you know, I, I do think, you know, a how-to book with simple steps um, to help women, I think is, is important and an important message. And I think that's kind of the simplest way and not to say, dumb it down, but right. right. in five or six simple steps, here's how to reduce burnout and thrive in your career and personal life. I do also feel like talking about your personal story is, is important in, in helping women to not feel so alone and that, you know, this actually is common and that it does actually take a lot of work and like boundary setting in our modern world to be able to learn how to work productively and learn how to work effectively in our, in our current, you know, kind of burnout culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of going back. I mean, I'm sort of like, like we're conceptualizing kind of yes, live here, yes. but like, I sort of loved when we were talking about, like you said, the two points that what women do is they talk to, you know, they can talk to each other was one of those points. And now you're talking about like women's stories and sort of what they've been through, right? And I think that that has to be a huge part of the book because women have been alienated from yeah. understanding that there's so many of us that are going through this. And if we can come up with like a common code, right? There's a lot of negative codes for how women are supposed to be. Okay, yes. particularly in the South, right? It's a lot of negative codes. We have to write a new code. Yeah. Is what we have to do. And we have to be the authors of that code. A man cannot be the author of that code. Yeah. A man does not understand. I think that's sort of what I was seeing. And that feels to me sort of self helpish. But like you said, and we've talked about this, women don't have a huge amount of time to sit and right. read some 
great philosophical tomb about burnout, right? I mean, Brene Brown does it beautifully when she talks about shame and you have to be in that mindset to read about shame. But if you're in shame, you're, you're often home under the covers right. and reading a book. If you're in burnout, you're a woman who literally doesn't have time to put gas in her car. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I think, you know, talking, you know, higher level society, right? I mean, we have made lots of progress. Women have made progress, right? There are lots of women in leadership roles. Um, I think I just saw statistics that that we just hit like 10%, you know, female CEOs at Fortune 500 companies. Um, wow, that's so, amazing. You know, lots of progress has been made. Um, but, you know, also, the, you know, on the, on the flip side, right, I still hear lots of stories every day about, like I said, unconscious bias and toxic workplace situations that are you know, contributing to burnout and contributing to women, you know, either leaving that certain company or leaving the workforce altogether. And so I do think there's still that need out there for, you know, targeted resources in particular for working women, um, working mothers. Yes, 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 yes. And then, yeah. And, and again, your reader is specifically mothers because you are a mother of three and the people you're talking about is mothers. And so we want to include everybody in our books, but a huge part of that burnout is that like before you even do anything for the day, like before I had a really busy day on Friday last week where I went from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., I brought my kids to school and on the way to school, my daughter was complaining that she had a headache and then I realized she didn't eat any cereal before we left. So we had to go to the coffee shop and then I had to get the bagels and I had 10 minutes and then I had to get back in the car. But it was really important for me to get her a bagel because I'm not going to send her to school hungry because I don't want to sit there all day and think about her like hungry. Although there might be mothers that are like, ah, you didn't have your cereal. It's you're screwed. On that particular day, I felt called to Give her, she looked, she looked bleak, you know, (laughs) she looked pale. I would want a bagel. Like I need breakfast before I leave in the morning. So that whole thing, 40 minute commute. Yeah. That had all happened before nine. Yeah. And then at nine, now I'm off in the high heels. I'm at the place. And then I go to this thing at night, whatever. By the time I fall into bed, my thought though is, and I think this is recovery from burnout is my thought is, okay, how can tomorrow be just a little bit slower. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's kind of what we work on, right? In my program is small shifts, right? Like habit change, behavior change. You know, I think the small shifts, especially for women that are, you know, burnt out and very busy and always feeling like they have so many things on their to-do list is really important in the messaging and the discussions. Because if you are, if you add 17 other things for someone you know who's struggling with burnout to try to remember, you're probably just going to continue to overwhelm them. So how can we kind of you know scale back and and help someone understand that look, if you take you know a five minute brain break, you know whether or not you want to call it a brain break or a meditation or some sort of mindfulness practice, that'll actually like put more in your tank so that you can make it through the day and not feel so overwhelmed. And so it's that small shift in mindset to say I can pull back for five minutes and close my eyes so that, you know, I can complete the six other things I need to do today in an effective manner and not feeling so overwhelmed. Because when we are in that overwhelmed state, our brain is actually, you know, if you look at the, like the neuroscience and the research, like our, when our brain is on overload, we're actually in like frozen mode and we're not able to complete like tasks. Right. And so I think when you kind of 
start having that discussion with somebody and and really talk to them about, look, you know, again, if you, if you just take five minutes, even though you want to power through and push through, right, it actually is going to help your brain rest and kind of, you know, be able to complete the, the rest of your day in a more efficient manner. Right. Oh, I feel that sometimes. And I know it's such a battle. I'm like, okay, if I just went like 30 more minutes, I could get it all done. Yes. But then I'm like, I'm on that edge where I'm like, on the edge. I feel raw. Like I want to, like, I want to scream at something. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you, when you push yourself, right, you're irritated at your kids and your, and your partner and you don't show up as your best self. You're not present because you're thinking about everything else that kind of yeah. contributes to the cycle. Right. And then you get drastic. Then you're like, I yes. just need a, a week in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> yes. Right. Like all you should have done was take it a 12 minute. Then now I want to yes. go to a spa for a week. Yes. Right. Because yes. right. it feels so unsurmountable in the moment. It gets so overwhelming because we're not clocking. Like I said, that we've been doing it since six in the morning. We're not clocking that. We just think it's only six at night. I should be able to. Yeah. Which I think is also a self-defeating thing. Yeah. And if you think about, I was just going to say, if you think about like our parents' generation, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. they didn't have smartphones that they were constantly connected to, right? I mean, my father, I grew up in suburban DC. My father commuted on the Metro and he read his book or closed his eyes like (laughs) on his commute, right? Right. Like he wasn't listening to a podcast or, you know, like texting. Yeah. Like talk texting in your car, right? Like we're constantly multitasking and our brains are just not actually meant to multitask that much that's cultural, like that's part of our culture now. And so I think, you know, we really have to be conscientious of the fact that our bodies are not built to like do this many things in a day and that we do have to try to find ways to kind of set boundaries and block out the noise and rest our brains. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think this is going to be a really impactful interview even for women that are suffering burnout to just listen to this, we keep it nice and short. So we just pack in as much information as we can. What would be like one small shift that you want to leave the listeners with that are suffering burnout that they could do tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, one small shift is really take a step back and try to look at, like identify what your stress triggers are. And I think in the hustle of our day, like we don't always take a minute to like listen to our bodies. So that, you know, the small shift would be listening to your body more and then thinking through, you know, what triggers you. Maybe, maybe looking for just one stress trigger and, yes. and maybe a solution for that stress trigger. You know, you're running to the supermarket on the way home because you think that you need to get the food, maybe perhaps, you know, pre-order it on a Sunday and like auto deliver or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I always like to say, like, once your kids get to a certain age, like, what can you start outsourcing to them? Right. Like, <laughs> right, I mean, right, like, right. you've got to like come up with creative strategies. <laughs> I know. You're surly children who don't even want to empty the dishwasher. And you're like, what? Yes. <laughs> do you exactly. know what to do for you? Anyway, <laughs> well, it was really lovely talking to you. I'm really looking forward to your book. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Great to chat. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. We love reviews. If you enjoyed our show, head over to your platform of choice to drop a review, share with a friend, or even better, if you want to write a book, be in touch. You can find us at kimohara.com.